Welcome to the St. Anne Roman Catholic Podcast, coming to you from Gilbert, Arizona. We pray that God will bless your time as you listen. Before I um, I get to my message, I should probably explain that great big thurible that you saw. Uh, it's a replica of the famous boat of Fumero from Santiago. And I saw it online, and I ordered it by the picture, and I didn't check the dimensions. <laughs> it's 13 inches tall, 7.87 inches in diameter, and it weighs 1.54 pounds. So my apologies to the servers. Mm. The first reading is that famous story of Abraham's sacrifice, of God telling Abraham to offer him his only son. And then the gospel is the transfiguration of Jesus. Now you might wonder how these two are connected. In case you've forgotten, the first reading and the gospel reading are always connected. One is a fulfillment of the other. Mm. In the letter to the Hebrews, uh, St. Paul tells us that the reason why Abraham could offer his son in the land of Moriah as a sacrifice to God was because he believed by faith that God could return his son to him, that he could resurrect him. In other words, that this death was a death that would lead to life. The gospel comes just after Jesus has announced that the Son of Man will be handed over to the scribes and Pharisees and killed and raised on the third day. He has announced his death to his apostles, to which Peter rebukes him. And then he takes Peter, James, and John up a mountain and reveals to him the glory of his divine life. So that we learn from this that this death of the Son of Man is going to be a death that brings about life. Why is this important for us? Mm. Particularly as Catholics, I, I've noted a deficiency in the way that we approach Catholicism as a whole, the sacraments in more particular, and especially the Holy Mass. And I've divined this from a couple different things, the kinds of things people will say to pastors when they complain about the way we do liturgy. So it will be, uh, Father, do we have to have all that smoke? Father, how come uh, the choir sings songs that we can't sing? You've, you've robbed us of our participation. Okay. 
What these things tell me when I get questions and they're like is that the faithful have no idea what it is that they're doing here. Now, that might not be true since you've selected to come to the 11 o'clock, but in general, it is true. Uh, first, I want to dispose of this idea that because the choir sings something that you can't sing, that you've been robbed of your participation. And the general instruction of the Roman Missal, which is the instructions for how we say Mass, uh, it is specifically pointed out that the entrance hymn, the um, hymn at the offertory, and the hymn for communion may be sung by the choir alone. So not only is it permitted, it's explicitly said that way. They can also sing the Gloria all by themselves. And you haven't been robbed of anything of your due participation. Now, I wouldn't always and everywhere exclude congregational singing at those points, but it is nevertheless true that those songs do not belong to you in a, in a particular way. What does belong to you in a particular way is the way that we do Mass here at the eleven. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit should be sung. Your response should be sung. The greeting of the priest should be sung. Your response should be sung. The creed should be sung. And in those, they belong to you in a particular way, such that the church does not permit the choir simply to sing those parts as a replacement for your participation. In the reform of the liturgy, uh, the principle to be considered above all else was the full, conscious, and active participation of the faithful. Well, somewhere along the way, what that came to mean was making people do a whole bunch of exterior things as if everyone needs to be a lector or everyone needs to be an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion or you've got to be doing something in some way. And those things aren't entirely excluded, but they rather miss the point of the whole of the liturgical movement. Full conscience and active participation in what? The Holy Mass is a sacrifice. You do not come here to sing songs to God, although that's a part of it. You certainly don't come here to listen to Father Keith, although you're kind of captured right now. You come to offer first and foremost the divine victim at the hands of a priest. We say this in every Mass. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. And you answer, may the Lord accept this sacrifice at your hands. That's the first and principal 
means of participation. Secondly, that you are to um, offer the whole of your lives together with the divine victim. That you are to join to his sacrifice, the sacrifices of your lives. That is the full conscience and active participation that the council dearly longed for and I think is so often missing because we turn the mass into a whole bunch of things. Religious entertainment, making sure that you leave here with the warm fuzzies and feeling good and a focus on the communitarian nature so that at best, even in otherwise faithful parishes, the approach that both priest and faithful take seems to say that they think the high point of the sacred liturgy is the reception of Holy Communion. And it is not. And one of the ways I see this is that when people, for obstacles or their immortal sin or other reasons, think that they can't receive communion, they don't want to come to Mass because they've forgotten what the Mass is. The communion is a consummation of the sacrifice, but without the sacrifice, there would be no communion. That the sacred liturgy is not a set of rituals simply to make present Jesus body, blood, soul, and divinity under the appearances of bread and wine, but that the sacred liturgy is meant to offer Jesus body, blood, soul, and divinity under the appearances of bread and wine to the eternal Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. That, brothers and sisters, is the Catholic faith. Okay. Let me prove it to you. In the first Eucharistic prayer, or the Roman canon, the prayer that comes after the consecration is called the anamnesis, the remembrance. And this is how it is prayed. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the blessed passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven, of Christ, your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation, be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant, Abel the Just, the sacrifice of Abraham, our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest, Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim, 
In humble prayer, we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high in the sight of your divine majesty so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Hmm. There's a text that I come back to again and again. It's St. Paul's letter to the Romans. And he says, Are you unaware, brothers and sisters, that we who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? If we have been buried with him through baptism into a death like his, then we have the hope to share with him the glory of the resurrection, a death that brings life. This is the deep meaning of sacrifice. Sacrificium. To be, to make something sacred to set it apart, to put it into the realm of the sacred. That's the literal meaning of sacerdos, priest. The one who places the gift into the realm of the sacred. Brothers and sisters, by your baptism, you take part in the death of Christ. Therefore, because of that death of Christ made yours, you have died to the old man. You have been crucified with Jesus in order that you might live for God. Your confirmation seals that death and makes you his witnesses in the world, literally martyrs, those who have died for Christ. And the culmination of baptism and confirmation is the celebration of the holy sacrifice of the Mass and the consummation of it in the reception of Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Your baptisms made you priests. And we've rather forgotten this. Um, now, it is the common priesthood of all the baptized. It is not the ministerial priesthood. What's the difference? It is a difference in kind and not merely a difference in degree. As an ordained priest, I'm given the power potestas consecrandi et offerendi the power to consecrate and to offer in the person of Christ. That power is not part of the priesthood of the baptized. But nevertheless, because you are a priest, you are meant to offer sacrifice to God. 
if any of you have ever said amen to the Eucharistic prayer, you have made that sacrifice your own. And it comes with obligations. This death that has been given to you is meant to give you life. And it's meant to lead to the eternal life in the kingdom of our God and Father. And if we miss this piece, all the rest of it really doesn't make much sense. You're to offer, together with the priests in the midst of the liturgy, all your joys, all your sorrows, all your triumphs, all your defeats, to place them all in the realm of the sacred and so to become one with Christ the victim because you are sharing in the one priesthood of Christ. This is the dignity of the baptized. And this is why the prophet says that the Lord will um, collect for himself a people, a holy people, so that from the rising of the sun to the setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to God. Your participation is not superficial, and it's not even primarily external. It's an interior participation in a sacrifice. So you can't make up for it by watching the priest and the deacon and the server go about doing the things of the liturgy. Uh, you can't make up for it uh, by just singing along until you can make communion. That there has to be an intentional focus on what it is that we're doing here. Because we are priests, we are meant to uh, not just be sanctified personally, but we are meant to offer the sacrifice of Jesus for the sanctification of the whole world. The objective sacrifice, who it is that is offered, Jesus Christ, is infinite in its glory and graces. But the reception of that infinite glory and grace is limited in us by our disposition and not just as a matter of our own personal sanctification. The graces that flow out from the Holy Mass to sanctify the whole world are limited by the dispositions of the church. Do you wonder why we have so many problems in the world? How is it that the, in the early church, that early church of the apostles, of the martyrs, which included the mother of God, that the church spread like wildfire? Because every baptized believer knew that by, by becoming Christian, 
by proclaiming Christ, by the participation in the divine mysteries, that the price for that was their own death. And so they took it seriously. We do not live as those in the world who are living their best life, to whom God will give abundance of money, fame, prestige, the things of this world. They are all glittering nothings, and they often, most of the time, bring about your death. But by the death brought about in you, in your baptism, in your confirmation, and in the Holy Mass, you are meant to live that death in the world, that death that brings life. This is the full conscious and active participation that Holy Mother Church desires. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Anne Roman Catholic Podcast. For additional podcasts and media, visit us on the web at www.sanneaz.org. Again, that's www.stanneaz.org. St. Anne, pray for us.